welcome to the Fairview Alliance Church Podcast. We're so glad to have you here today. Our prayer is that through this message, you'd be encouraged, uplifted, and discover more about a God who loves you deeply and faithfully. If you're interested in finding out more about our community, visit our website, fairviewalliancechurch.com, or visit our Facebook page, Fairview Alliance Church. We'd like to take a moment just to thank you, the listeners, for sharing and subscribing to our podcast. Without you, it wouldn't be possible. Now, prepare your hearts as we tune into this week's new message with our lead pastor, Mario Catalan. We have the responsibility to call uh, the people that accepted Jesus Christ to grow. So last Sunday, we spoke about the definition of disciple. Who is a disciple? A disciple is one that is willing to learn. Learn and follow a master. For us as a Christian, we learn about the gospel. We learn about the will of God through the revelation of the Bible. And we follow a master. Our master is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So today, I want to read with you in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 to verse 29. Only two verses, but I will encourage you to read uh, this wonderful short epistle of the Apostle Paul. It's an amazing epistle, especially chapter 1 and chapter 2. They're speaking on how we can be rooted in the grace of Jesus Christ. And it's an amazing message for all of us. But today we will put our emphasis on verse 28 and 29 of chapter 1. And may the Lord add his blessing to our hearts as we read his word. Colossians chapter 1 verse 28 and 29. Paul says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. Paul's goal was to bring everyone to maturity in Christ. Let me apply this mandate for a beautiful Belle Provence here in Quebec. Quebec, our Belle Provence, still needs desperately Jesus Christ. You know, recent surveys confirm once again that Quebecers in general, referring to all Canada, of course, are the people that struggle more, struggles more to believe in God. Quebecers are the more resilient to believe in God. But other surveys are showing how Quebecers also are somehow open to a certain idea of spirituality. And unfortunately, that desire to embrace some kind of a spiritual experience is satisfied not with the gospel of Jesus Christ, but reserving attention to Eastern religion, some kind of new age philosophies, and believe it or not, more people are devoted themselves to the occult, to search in the occult answers for their lives. So this means for us that we have a responsibility. If we are giving the message, we believe that Jesus Christ is the one that can change and can bring solutions to desperation, the hope, lack of hope of people, we must build up the church of Jesus Christ with the conviction that the message of the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of people. 
Do we believe it is church? Do we have this passion in our hearts? We still have the great responsibility to make disciples. We still have. If today we are here, it's because other people before us took the time to invest in our lives. To share the gospel. If we are here today, it's because somebody else took the initiative today to invite us and to come and to listen the word of God. So you and I, we have that responsibility. And uh, promoting biblical discipleship, promoting the um, concern that Jesus Christ has for his own church is something that will encourage genuine uh, faith in the hearts of those who are willing to search. Yes, there are seekers. There are people that are inquiring. We have the responsibility to reach out to those people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then the ultimate goal of discipleship is to present everyone a mature in Christ. This was the goal that Paul had. And it's very clear in this wonderful epistle to the Colossians. Where after speaking about the redeeming power of the gospel in Jesus Christ. People can find hope and courage and salvation, eternal life. So we have the responsibility. And how we can make mature people in Christ. Teaching them the ways of the Lord. Experience with them the grace of God. Being merciful, being compassionate, being able to pursue holiness and reflecting the life of God in our lives. We mentioned last Sunday how Peter exhorted his own readers in the, in the epistles to grow in the grace of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, are you planning to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Are you looking to yourself and say, oh, today I'm a little bit more able to grasp the person of Jesus Christ? Or you are stagnant in your growth? This is something that we all should examine in our lives. Not only the leadership, but each one that comes to the knowledge of Jesus Christ needs to grow in Jesus. Amen? So let me share some uh, uh, of the points that are Learning from this passage. First of all, Paul was the disciple maker. It's interesting. If we look at the life of the Apostle Paul, we see how Paul reflected Jesus' ministry in his own life. He was able to duplicate and make disciples. And it's interesting that if you look at the ministry of Paul, you see that he was not always alone in the ministry. But he had somebody with him. He invested in the young Timothy, invested in Mark, John Mark. He invested in, in other people around, like Luke, the, the author and the writer of the gospel in the book of Acts. He imparted them his experience in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and encouraged them to pursue the growth. So Paul's ministry effort, as we read in chapter 1, verse 28 of Colossians, was him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Now, to understand deeply this passage, we need to also to look at the situation that was in the city of Colossae. Colossae was a very multi-ethnic society where the influence of different religions were creating a certain kind of a syncretistic environment. Where uh, religion from the East were mixing with uh, uh, the religion of the Greeks and also the Judaic presence there was very strong. 
And then this new religion that comes in the picture, Christianity. So there was this mix. People were confused. There was a strong sect of Gnosticists that were believing that they had a secret truth that no one could reach. And you were being introduced to this kind of sect through some process of initiation. And people that were believing that they were human beings elevated to the kind of a divinity role that were sharing that secret truths. And this brought confusion. Paul is trying to make every effort to prove that Jesus Christ was the perfect man, but also the perfect God. If you go in chapter 2, this epistle, in verse 9, it says that in Christ, in Christ was embodied the divinity in a fullness. So it's bringing clarity in the minds of those people. And when I look at this situation that was in Colossae, don't you think it's very similar to what we read and we have it today here also in Montreal, in Canada in general? Don't you see this mix of different religions, ideas, philosophic uh, propositions that are brought into our attention so we can embrace them? And we have some kind of syncretistic mix of religion that will suit the need of an individual person. Or whatever I like of this religion, I will take it. Whatever I don't like it, I will live out of my life. And people that are building their own mind, their own heart, their own doctrine, according to their own ways and desire. But if we give in to that kind of philosophy, we are missing the point to bring people to be mature in Christ. So we have that responsibility. And uh, let me say something to you that it really excites me. In my 20, almost one year here in ministering in the churches of Montreal, I see recently a desire to go deeper in God's grace, in Christ. And there's something beautiful that's coming from uh, older Christians to younger generation of Christians. They want to go deeper. They are not just uh, satisfied with religion. They want to know Jesus more. They want to have an encounter, a deeper encounter with Jesus. But at the same time, as we go in this deeper pursuit of our relationship with Jesus Christ, I have to also recognize that for so many Christians, this seems to be related only on maximizing their spiritual investment. I'm going deeper with Christ so I can have more back from Christ. It's the kind of uh, more I give, more I receive from God. I will claim it, I will receive it. So it seems that this pursuit of God is related to what I can get from God and not what I can give to God. For others, this pursuit of Jesus Christ is, means, means only to see a greater revelation and manifestation of the ability of the Christians to perform miracles. And we forget that miracles in itself are not Giving faith to people. A lot of people saw Jesus performing miracles. And they still didn't believe in Jesus. So how can we go deeper in life with Christ? Putting him at the first, at the first center of our pursuit. Lord, I'm not interested in what you can give to me. 
I'm interested to recognize you as the living God, as the creator of everything. I recognize that I'm separated by you because of my sins, and I understand that you are a merciful God, and I need to put my life in connection and align to your will and perfect will for my life. So, Lord, I worship you. I surrender you. I want to know you more. And I want to experience your grace in my life so I can share the blessing that you gave to me with others. And this brings generosity, this brings compassion, this brings not being selfish and pursuing the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because if we pursue first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we will see also other things added to us. Because our God is not a stingy God. He's generous. He's a God that will bless his people. He's desired to do, dwell in the midst of his people. And as we look at Paul's life, we see that Paul recognized the struggle that he had. Let me tell you, making disciples is not an easy task. Paul speaks about toils. He speaks about strugglings that he had. And he must face in his ministry. But in all of this... He recognizes that he needs something powerful. And you know what is something powerful that we can receive? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul clearly says, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy. Look at what he said. Not my energy, but his energy that he powerfully works within me. So if we are vessels, if we are empty of ourselves, we give God room to fill us with his Holy Spirit. And as he fills us with his Holy Spirit, we can do the work that he's calling us to do. Doesn't matter if we struggle. Doesn't matter if we have tools. Doesn't matter if we have opposition. The power of the Holy Spirit is within us and it will give us the strength to accomplish the work. This is the testimony of Paul. And I believe, my brothers and sisters, that... The same God that Paul served is the same God that we are serving today. Amen? If we believe that God doesn't change, is the one that is willing to abandon our life with his presence and filling our hearts with the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, Paul's willingness to do the work was there. It was evident. People that were going to Paul with Paul... They were not having any doubts about his intention to spread the gospel. One of the reasons why demons abandoned Paul, it was maybe because he saw in Paul the readiness to face the lack of the ministry, the struggles of the ministry, while the things of the pursuit of the things of the world was much easier. And Paul is writing saying that demons abandoned me because he loved the things of this world. Another young man that was following Paul in this ministry was John Mark, or Mark, the one that eventually wrote the gospel of Mark. At one point, they separated themselves because Paul thought that Mark was not ready to face, he was not willing to face the challenge of the ministry as he was. And that separation brought Mark to a further consideration of his work with God to the point that Paul once again say, while he's writing to, um, to Timothy, say, bring with you uh, Mark because he's useful to me. But just to say that Paul was willing to do the work. 
In my beloved in Christ, the godless and the secular society that we are facing here in Quebec requires a church full of disciples that are deeper in the life with Christ. Deeper in the harmony with the Holy Spirit. Only a church that is full and filled spirit can face the challenge of this environment. And you and I, we have that responsibility. We want to be found when Jesus Christ will come back doing the work like the people that were waiting for the groom to come. Remember the parable of the ten virgins? Five of them were ready. The other one were not. They were waiting, but they were not equipped for meeting the groom. And you and I, my brothers and sisters, need to become aware that soon, very soon, Jesus Christ is coming back. These are the signs that we see around us. These are the signs that we can read between the lines that the fulfillment of many prophecies are there before our eyes. And we need to pursue that intentional direction, intentional effort to make disciples for God's glory. God's Holy Spirit is the antidote to the life of the flesh. And if we want move from a superficial life in Christ to a deeper life in Christ, we need to make appeal to the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And then, another thing that we can examine in the process of making the disciples is that true disciples have a teachable spirit. True disciples are learners. And to be learners, you need to recognize the need of a Learning. The definition of being teachable is this. Is to receive knowledge by lessons. To receive instruction. To receive training by practice or exercise. This means that as a Christian we need to approach the Bible with a desire to apply it in our lives. You know when we learn something from the Bible and we show that we are taught and we are teachable. When we are able to apply what we learn. It's not just knowledge. Being teachable means applying whatever you know. We can know the Bible very clearly. But if we are not applying the teachings that are in the Bible in our own lives, in our own walk with God, we are missing the blessing of being teachable and being a disciple. We cannot grow if we are not applying what we know. If we speak about grace and we are not gracious in our behavior, in our home, with our spouse, with our children, with our brothers and sisters, in, in the environment that we live. We are not learning about grace. We are not teachable. If we learn about holiness and we are living a lifestyle that is not reflecting the principle of holiness. Of being holy, consecrated to God. And our lifestyle is speaking the opposite. We are not teachable. We know, but we are not applying whatever we know. So a teachable person is somebody that will apply the truth of the word of God. You know, the whole basis of being teachable is the realization that our salvation, we are no longer living for ourselves, but we are living for the one who saved us. So we are not living for ourselves, 
But we are living for Christ who saved us. And Paul is giving this teaching very clearly when he addresses the, uh, the Corinthians believer in the second epistle. In chapter 5, verse 15, he mentioned that. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. And he, Christ, died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves. Not the difference, the implementation of the plan. Those who live now, they should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So when you are living here on earth, that could be 10 years, it could be 150 years. I don't know if this will be possible, but anyway. Doesn't matter the span of your years, on this life on earth. What is important is that the moment that you accepted Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior, you are not, you are not living anymore for yourself, but for the one who saved you. And that's why we need to go deeper. That's why we need to apply the word of God in our lives. Jesus in his truth now should rule our lives and not what we think is important. And not what we think is our ideal. May God give us grace. May God give us grace to understanding that go deeper in life with Christ. And living a deeper life in Christ is not some kind of a punishment that we receive at the moment of our salvation. No, it's the best that can happen to us. I want to give you an illustration. If you are practicing sports or you have been part of a team, you know that there is a coach. And the responsibility of the coach is to build the athlete that is coaching, right? Or the team. So if a coach sees that an athlete has some kind of a margin to become a better athlete, he will point the weakness of the athlete so he can improve those weaknesses and becomes a great athlete. Could be behavior, his behavior could be the lack of training, it could be some movements that need to be repeated until a better movement is acquired by the athlete himself. So there is the purpose. The purpose is to make that athlete a better athlete. So when the Holy Spirit comes and says something to us, is addressing something in our lives that is not in conformity with the will of God, is not punishing us. Is trying to lift up our lives to the level and the call that God wants us to be. So we can reach the full potential of his call in our lives. If you read sports magazine or stories, you know that a lot of amazing athletes fail to reach their full potential because they were not coachable. I find that the Church of Jesus Christ struggles with this. We have an amazing potential. But many times we don't reach the full potential because we resist to our coach, Jesus Christ. We resist to our coach, Holy Spirit. And we resist today. We resist tomorrow and we lose the momentum that God is calling us to get. And my challenge to you and to myself is, are we willing to accept 
the coaching style of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Are we willing or we are resisting? Or we are opposing what the Lord is trying to teach us? Because if we are willing to do so and to receive the guidance, the teaching, the strength that the Holy Spirit is willing to give us, we will grow. We'll become mature in Christ. We will not stay at the level of baby in Christ. No, we will grow. And you know what I'm discovering? That as the Holy Spirit is bringing conviction in our hearts, it's not just bringing convictions, but it will give you also the strength to overcome. It will give you the encouragement that you need. If you say you need to run stronger, it will run with you. If you are in a situation where your patience needs to be tasted, he will be there to sustain you. And this is the difference between the work of the enemy in our lives that brings discouragement and the work of the Holy Spirit that brings edification in us. You see, the enemy will come. He will point to the, your weaknesses. He knows very well where you are weak. And you say, you know, this is who you are. It will try to bring shame and guilt in your life. It will not give you a solution. It will not give you a way out. It will just bring a condemnation on your spirit. And you feel crushed and oppressed. Thinking there is nothing that you can do to change the weak spot that you have. But when the Holy Spirit comes, it will bring convictions in our hearts and will bring us also... A way out. He will say, this is the way. Obey me. Trust me. I will bring out of this place. When I was maybe six years old, I almost died. Because I went into the ocean and I was caught in. Thank God, my uncle was on the beach and uh, he saw me and he came. But, but when somebody tries to rescue, you should trust the person not to move enough. Because more you move, more difficult is for the rescuer to remove you out of the water, out of the danger. You have to trust the person that is rescuing you. And the Holy Spirit is saying this to you. I see you in this whirlpool. I see you, the pressure of life bring you down. But I'm there. The Holy Spirit comes in a rescue. And he said, don't be agitated. Trust me, I will be able to rescue, to move on. There is a way out for you. And this is what means trusting God and becoming deeper in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. A disciple is not perfect yet. He will fail, but he knows that somebody is there to rescue him. He knows that there is somebody to hold his arm and to pick him up. Praise God for this. That's the hope that we have with a Christian faith in Jesus. And this has to do with being teachable. It has to do with receiving from the Lord. Unteachable people always have an unteachable attitude also. It's resisting to the word of God and what God wants to do in their lives. The unteachable spirit is convinced to know everything. I know better than others. This Stops growth. 
Jesus used the word disciples a lot. And we saw that the word that defines a follower of Jesus Christ is disciple, Methodist. It means a learner, something that is teachable. Now, if unteachable people aren't willing to learn, they aren't candidates to become disciples. They cannot learn. Why? How we can recognize an unteachable spirit or an unteachable person? They refuse correction and typically feel rejected. At the moment you try to correct or address something, oh, you don't love me. You don't like me. And if you are a parent, you know what I mean with that, right? Every reference to my children is just by chance. I will pay this after. (laughs) The moment that we approach the person, we feel the wall is there. And many times we feel like that. God sent us a, a trial, a hard time, just to taste our faith and to show where we need to be taught. And we start to cry with God. Oh, God, you don't love me. You don't like me. We complained. And Jesus said, are you trusting me or not? Are you putting your trust in me? I'm trying to learn, teach you something. Don't you see? God brings awareness of his presence. Even if we sometimes feel not loved by God. God is still loving us. Because he's a good God. Amen? Then, people are unteachable, are very critical. They have ceased to process the learning and have started to just look at the negative aspects of everything around them. With a conviction that they know better. And how many times we approach the word of God with the spirit? How many times we approach the lives of other people, pointing the fingers out? We need to address situations. But what is a learning from the scriptures, there is an encouragement that comes when you are rebuked also sometimes. And then, unteachable people, they want to look always look good in front of others. They want to be seen as a very good standing. Lord, help us to be teachable. Help us to learn. Help us to be able to receive from one another. The Bible says that iron sharps iron. There are more 40 exhortations in the New Testament only that brings in light the work of the ministry to one another. And I believe that this can be done only if you are willing to be taught and to learn from others too. So if you want to go and become a disciple of Jesus Christ, we need to pursue A spirit that is willing to be taught. Become a teachable person. And then Christian discipleship is a lifelong process. And this is my third point. Christianity is more than obligatory church attendance and practice. It's more than just coming in church Sunday morning. Let's be honest. If the church of Jesus Christ today has lost almost its influence in society... Is because we fail to make and to intentionally pursue the making of true disciples of Jesus Christ. We don't want to just fill the church. And I say that last Sunday and I will repeat today. We want to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We want you 
become a mature person in Christ. And that maturity is not related to the year that you are in church. You can be in church for 40 years and still having traits of immaturity. You can be in church a few months and show an attitude of growth that will bring immaturity in your heart. But praise God for the people that have been growing constantly through the years. And they're still serving the Lord. And still have the passion to share the gospel. And still have the joy of sharing their faith with others. That's the growth that we have as a Christians in our walk with God. And this is what we need to pursue. So the key to make disciples is a building lifelong relationships within the body of Christ that will reflect the relationship that we have with Christ. That's the way that Jesus did. As I was preparing these messages, and I went back the way that Jesus made the disciples. We see that Jesus always chose to stay with a small group more than the masses. Why? Because it wasn't the atmosphere of a small group of 12, maybe 15, maybe 20 people sometimes. That he had the possibility to invest his teaching in their lives. It wasn't the setting that the disciples asked, Master, teach us how to pray. It wasn't that setting that the disciples opened their hearts with Jesus and asked deep questions that only in the settings Jesus addressed. It wasn't that setting that Jesus rebuked the disciples, calling them people without faith or the little faith. Eventually, when the Holy Spirit came in their lives, they remembered the things that Jesus told them. And they were so passionate in spreading the gospel to the point that the society and the world, the whole world was changed because those relationships. And let me tell you, church, we need to deep this kind of relationship within us. We need to create an atmosphere where we can be free to talk. And to receive from one another. To minister from one another. And uh, we are launching this small group in September as I said. And again I want to say very clear this. The small groups ministry is a tool. It's not the end. Small groups ministry is a tool. It's not the end. The final end is let you grow deeper in life in Christ. Why we believe that small groups are ideal for this? Because it's already proven. It's in the Bible in itself. It's a, our desire in the small groups eventually to allow you to have a self-study. Self-study, it means everyone studies the scriptures passage. And uh, then maybe one week, one person in the group will encourage you to share what he learned from the passage that he studied. And then there will be Group study where the facilitator will guide the group in giving a topic or sharing a teaching on, on a topic of the Bible. And then it will be feedback from Sunday morning sermons that will be preached to you like today. What do you learn from the Sunday morning sermon? There's something that you apply during the week. So this kind of dynamics within the small groups will allow you to be challenged, will be, allow you to be accountable and we allow you also to minister to others. How we can detect the gifts that you have. Testing, giving you the opportunity to do it, to express it. Please, keep this in prayer.
as a leadership of the church, we truly would like to see this be embraced by the church at large. And to do this, we need prayer, we need wisdom, we need understanding. That is, it will not be fragmentation of the church, but unity of the church. In the month that we have a five Sundays, eventually, we will have a meeting where all the groups come together and they share what they learn. What it was the, something that was very meaningful, significant for them in that group. This will build the church. This will give you the opportunity to share what you learn from others. You know, I believe that the church is not just assisting a lecture on Sunday morning. It's sharing. It's sharing what you have with Christ. What you learn from Him. What are your experience as a Christian? Because your testimony can be very encouraging to me. Can lift my spirit. When I hear that prayer was uh, uh, answered by the Lord, when I hear how God used you to minister to others, it brings joy to the heart of a believer. You know, uh, to honor the memory of Sister Laura de Rousseau, I was so shocked positively how many people she impacted with her life. And you know, in a very, very simple way, she did this, meeting people at the park every day. In our daily life, bringing their children at the park every day, she made friendship with so many people. I feel privileged to be called to the ministry. But I want you to discover the privilege that you have to be part of the member, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ. I'm not better than you. All of us can minister to others. And this is the idea behind making disciples you know why because as we become disciples of jesus christ we'll reproduce others disciples we will make other disciples because we will have a relationship with others we are willing to invest in others lives hallelujah let me make some finally application in a creative an acronym i didn't realize but it came good be fat not like me. But be fat. I will say what is plain. Be faithful. Faithful. Submit totally to Jesus. Ask him to take control of your heart. Then be available. Be available to the prompt of the Holy Spirit in your life. Be available to what God wants to do through you. Learn to discern his voice. And then. Be teachable. Allow the Holy Spirit to bring awareness of things in your life that need to be changed. Search your heart. But most of the time, of all, allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart. Be faithful. Be available. Be teachable. Be fat.